this is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I am saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, Amen. This morning, I want to talk to us on a, from the Word of God on this topic. Come in to your inheritance. Come in to your inheritance. As uh, believers, as children of the Most High God, we must understand and we must know that God has a great inheritance for us. Amen? He's got a great inheritance for us. Now, of course, it's in the spiritual realm. But yet God has a great inheritance. You know, the Bible says that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. In the heavenly realms. Meaning, every blessing that comes from the throne of God. God says, it's yours. It's got your name on it. Every blessing that comes from God. Is your spiritual inheritance. Is my spiritual inheritance. Healing comes from Him. Salvation comes from Him. Success and triumph and prosperity. Every blessing that God could possibly give. He can bless our ma- blessings for our marriage. Blessings for our home. For our children. Blessings in the city. Blessing in society. Blessing in our nation. Every good and spiritual. Every blessing that comes from God is, is ours. It's our spiritual inheritance. Health and healing for our bodies is a spiritual blessing. It's our inheritance. God has blessed us, the Bible says, with every spiritual blessing. Jesus put it this way in Luke 12, 32. He said, do not fear, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you his kingdom. It's your father's good pleasure to give you his kingdom. What's in his kingdom? He's pleased to give it to you. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. He will give grace and glory. And no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Amen? So that is our spiritual inheritance. It belongs to us. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variable, no shadow of turning. Every good and perfect gift is our spiritual inheritance. Amen? So I believe that what God wants to speak to us is simply this. He's challenging us saying, come in to your inheritance. Come in to all these things that I have in store for you. You know, we taste a little bit here, taste a little bit there. But I think we live so far short of the inheritance of that which God desires to release into our lives right here on earth. Not when we get to heaven. Amen. And so God is saying, come into this inheritance. And I pray that there will, be an un- there will be a holy dissatisfaction, a holy stirring in our hearts to say, God, I want my spiritual inheritance here on this earth. I want to walk into it. I want to live it. I want to experience it. I want to step in to my inheritance. Amen. 
So God is saying, come in to your inheritance. The book of Deuteronomy is a very interesting book. So if you'll go with me to chapter 1 of Deuteronomy. And just to give us a little background of when this book was released or given. You know the story of the people of Israel as they were brought out of Egypt, taken out of captivity, and God said, I'm taking you into a land that I will give to you as an inheritance, the land of Canaan. So he said, come out of Egypt. And God delivered his people out of Egypt supernaturally on that night, on the Passover night. And God brought them out of their captivity. And they began their journey into their inheritance, into the land of promise, which God said, I am going to give to you. And as they journeyed, they came to the Red Sea and God parted the Red Sea. They crossed over on dry land, which the Egyptians trying to do were drown. And they saw a great deliverance. God bringing them out of Egypt, helping them cross the Red Sea and journey towards their land of promise, their inheritance, which God wanted them to possess. A land flowing with milk and honey. A land that he said, you know, the, that this is your land. It's, gonna, it's a land where it's, it's prosperous, it's fruitful. It's abundant. That's the land I'm taking you into. Now as we look at the way the the, the people of Israel journeyed, from the time they left Egypt till they came to this place called Horeb, where there was the Mount Sinai experience and all the things that happened there at at Mount Sinai where Moses went up and received the commandments of God and the people of Israel also uh, also sinned by building, constructing a golden calf and worshipping it, all that. It took about one year, one month and five days elapsed from the time they left Egypt all the way till the end of their experience at Mount Horeb. And then it took 11 days to go from Horeb to another place called Kadesh. 11 days journey. They moved from Horeb to Kadesh. Now Kadesh was right close to the land of promise. Just east of the river Jordan. All they had to do was cross this river and they will step in to their promised land. And God was saying, okay guys, I brought you this far. You're now in Kadesh. Is you the east of Jordan? Just get across into the land. That land is yours. It's yours. I'm giving it to you. But then you know the story of what happened. You know, they sent 12 spies into the land. They went to spy the land. The, the, the 12 spies, Joshua, Caleb, and the others came back with a report saying, you know, the land is, is beautiful. It's just like the way God said. I mean, that, this is our land. But, but, you know, the 10 of them said, but there are giants in the land. There are great fortified cities. There are people we've got to fight. There are battles that we've got to engage in. And, and that just discouraged all of them. And what happened? The next 38 years, they were circling a mountain range called Mount Seir. 38 years. Now the Mount Mount Seir is a mountain range, about 70 miles north to south, 30 miles east to west. And 38 years, the people of Israel were circling this mountain range. I don't know how many times they went around it. The Bible doesn't tell us. They went around this mountain range, Mount Seir. The scenery has changed, but their location didn't. They were still in the same place. Going around Mount Seir for 38 years. Until finally, God said, enough is enough. He said, you've been circling this mountain. It's enough now. I want you to get ready to cross over. and Get in to your land. 
And so then through Moses, God gave some instructions on how to begin to get them back to the land where they were close to the river Jordan. Gave them some instructions. And Moses had brought them now right next to the river Jordan. And this was his final instruction on how to get into the land of promise. The book of Deuteronomy, many scholars believe, was given at this point in one day. So we read the book of Deuteronomy, about 34, 35 chapters. We think it took a long time. But it was just one day's instruction at this point in time in Israel's history. And God had brought them to this place after 38 years of circling the mountain. And he's saying, now here's how you get in to your inheritance. So what I want us to do is just kind of look at the book of Deuteronomy, just probably the first 11 chapters, and learn some lessons On what's it going to take? What strategies did Moses give to the people from God to the people for them to walk in to their land of promise? Because I believe God's calling us saying, come in to your inheritance. Amen. But first, I want us to do one thing. I want us to find out what got these people stuck up in the wilderness for 38 years in the first place. Why did they waste 38 years circling one mountain? Mountain range. What caused it? What was the problems? In the first chapter of Deuteronomy, here's what we find. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verses 26 to 33. Moses is recounting. Now understand where Moses is speaking. He's right here now in front of the people of Israel. Right next to Jordan, they've finished the 38 years of wandering around the Mount Seir. They've brought them all the way to the banks close to River Jordan. They're all they needed is crossover. He's now recounting all that has happened the past 38 years. And here's what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 26. He says, you know, uh, nevertheless, you would not go up. So God told you, go up. But you would not go up. But rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you complained in your tents and said, Because the Lord hates us, He has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. Then I said to you, do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God will go bef- who goes before you. He will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you. As a man carries his son in, a- in all the way that you went until you came to this place. Yet for all that you did not believe the Lord your God. So Moses is recounting. And he says, guys, this is what happened 38 years ago. You stood in the same territory. You stood in the same place. All you had to do was cross over. Uh, But here's what happened. First, you rebelled against the commandment of God. So why do people get stuck in the wilderness? Because they rebel against the command of God. When God just go forward, they say, no, God, we have better strategies than you. God, we we are more militarily trained than you we know better than you God and we repel against the word of God when God says go we say God we don't want to go secondly Moses says but you murmured you complained in your tents what keeps people in the wilderness they're murmuring and complaining 
So here were these people of Israel in their tents. They thought God didn't have intercom. God couldn't hear what they were talking in the tents. He only hears them what they speak in church. So you speak right in church. But when you go home, there is murmuring. There is complaining. But I want you to know that God hears you and me what we speak in our tents. And here's what the people of Israel did. In their tents, they murmured and they complained against God. They blamed God. They said, you know, God's brought us out of there just to destroy us. Look at our misery. Look at our struggles. Look at the heat of the sun. Our legs are tired. We've got to walk so much. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Complaining. And look at Moses. And look at his brother Aaron. His... His sister Miriam is so weird. She dances every service. You know, man, you know, they just want everything to complain. And they complain. And But God said, you know, you're murmuring and you're complaining. That's a problem. It's going to keep you in the wilderness. Third, they got discouraged. They let, and of course, now they put the blame on somebody else. He says, you know, these pies who brought the report, they discouraged us. Nevertheless, they were discouraged. Afraid. Discouragement keeps us in the wilderness. It's not a good thing. And number four, Moses said, you did not believe the Lord your God. The same God who helped you cross the Red Sea, who fed you with manna from heaven, who was a pillar of cloud by, by, by day, and it was a fire by night. He led you through all these things. You couldn't believe that such a God can help you get into your land of promise. You couldn't believe that such a God would, would take you into inheritance that He has promised for you. You couldn't believe it. And so far, you stayed in the wilderness. Why do we stay in the wilderness? Because we rebel against the word of God. Because we murmur and complain about our present circumstances. Because we allow discouragement to set in. And because we do not believe that God is able to get us in. The Apostle Paul in the, first, in the, in the book of Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 10 to 11. He's recounting everything that happened to the people in the land of Israel. To the people of Israel. And he says, you know, brothers... What happened to them? This is 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 1 to 11. He says, what happened to them? Happened to them as examples for us. So let us not take their story lightly. And then recounting them, he highlights five sins of the people of Israel as to why they got stuck in the wilderness. The first sin that he said, that the apostle Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 10 verses 1 through 11 is this. They lusted after evil things. They lusted after evil things. So God was bringing them out of Egypt. But in their hearts they said, oh, the onions in Egypt. The prices weren't that high. The garlics. The meats in Egypt. All the nice stuff in Egypt. The heart lusted for evil things. The second sin uh, Paul mentions was idolatry they replaced their true living god with a golden calf moses had gone up to meet with god get the ten commandments and come back and they said you know we don't know what happened to moses and we don't know what happened to our god doesn't seem like he's around so let's make some substitute and they replaced the true and living god the same god who had worked such mighty things Their eyes saw how powerful their God was. Their eyes had seen the greatness of their God when he demonstrated his power in the land of Egypt. And yet when they had come in on their journey into their land of promise, on their journey into their inheritance, they substituted God with a golden calf. Idolatry. 
The third sin that Paul points out in this passage in 1 Corinthians 10 11 is sexual impurity. They could not control their sexual appetites. Now this happened when, you know the story of Balaam in Numbers 22, 23, 24, 25. Balaam was there and this man came and he said, you know, Balaam, I want you to curse this people Israel. And Balaam said, you know, I can't curse whom God has blessed. But Balaam secretly said, you know, I'll tell you what can get them into trouble. And that was Balaam's sin. He gave the idea to cause the people of Israel to fall into sexual impurity. And because they could not control their sexual appetite, they fell in sin. And God judged them for that. The fourth sin that Paul mentions was that they tempted God and Christ. They challenged God. God, if you can really do something, show us how great you are. Can you give us bread in the wilderness? Can you send us meat in the wilderness? Can you give us water? They tested God, proved, tempted him in the wilderness, challenged his abilities, put his word to the test when he said, I'll take care of you. And last sin that Paul mentions once again in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 10. He says, they murmured and complained. And he warns us, he says, brothers, you don't be a murmurer or a complainer. Because when you're a murmurer and a complainer, you open the door to the destroyer. That's what he says in verse 10. So why do people get stuck in the wilderness? Here are the reasons why we get stuck. It's because we rebel against the word of the Lord. We murmur and complain. We get discouraged. We do not believe. Our hearts tend to lust of the evil things. We have substitutes for God in our lives. We fall into, sec- we give in to our to wrong, ungodly sexual desires. Or we tempt God, we want to challenge God. Or as was said earlier, we murmur and complain for what God is doing. These are reasons why we get stuck in the wilderness. In Deuteronomy chapter 2, here's what happens. We'll read verses 1, 2, and 3. So Moses is recounting their, their journey. It says, Then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness. Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 1, 2, and 3. We journeyed into the wilderness of the way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spoke to me, and we skirted or circled Mount Seir for many days. That was 38 years. And the Lord spoke to me finally at the end of it, saying, verse 3, You have skirted or circled this mountain long enough. Turn northward. My prayer for us today is this. That we will come to that place where we say, God, I have circled this mountain long enough. I've gone around and round and round and round this mountain. I thought I was making progress because the scenery was changing. But you know what? I was circling the same mountain. I'm stuck in my position where I am. Whether it's spiritually, financially, socially, whatever area of life. I'm stuck in that same position. All I'm doing, God, is going around the same mountain. Going around the same mountain. The scenery is changed. They make me happy a little bit. But in truth, my position has not changed. And I'm fooling everybody, including myself, saying I'm making progress when I'm circling the same mountain. And I believe that God is speaking to us saying, you've been circling this mountain long enough. Turn northward. Move into your land of promise. Come into your inheritance. Come into your inheritance. 
It's enough. We're going around in circles. We're stuck in a loop around the same mountain. And it's time you and I said, enough is enough. Let's face up to it. Our position has not changed. Time has gone. We've enjoyed the beautiful sceneries. Things seem like they were changing. But the truth is, we're in the same position. This morning, God's saying, come into your inheritance. Stop circling the same mountain. Get in to what I really have for your life. Amen. So it's interesting to see the strategies that Moses laid out. For the people to get in, to break out of this circling the same mountain cycle and get into the land of promise. And I just want to highlight some of those things. What we see here in chapter 2, verse 4. Command the people saying, you're about to pass through the territory of your brethren, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir. And they will be afraid of you. Therefore, watch yourselves carefully. Do not meddle with them. For I will not give you any of their land, no, not so much as one footstep, because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. You shall buy food from them with money that you may eat. You shall also buy water from them with money that you may drink. And then it goes on. What you see as the strategy unfolds is this. Number one, God teaches them Choose your battles. Tell your neighbor, choose your battles. Tell them nicely, choose your battles. What do we see unfolding in chapter 2 and on? He says, you know, as you begin to journey into your land of promise, you're going to meet the Edomites. I don't want you to fight with them. Chapter 2 verse 9. You're going to meet the Moabites. I don't want you to fight with them. Chapter 2 verse 19. You're going to come to the land of Ammon. I do not want you to fight with them. Don't engage with these people. So to get to your promised land, what must we do? Choose our battles. There are some battles that are not worth fighting. Some battles are just a big distraction in your life. They sap out your energy. They distract your focus. They break your focus. And they, they just totally ruin you. Don't fight. Proceed into your inheritance. Choose your battles. Over the last several, maybe couple of months, I've been reading the book of Kings and Chronicles in in my personal time. And and I've read them many, many times. But this time around, I park myself on each king. And it's so, so rich. Just, just, Just being amazed at the... The wealth of understanding is coming through the lives of the kings. And maybe one day we will do the chronicles of the kings. The chronicles of the kings. Where we can just, just learn from their lives. King Josiah was one of them. In Second Chronicles chapter 34 and 35. You read about King Josiah. King of Judah. He became king at the age of eight. And the Bible says, you know, Josiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord. 
by the time he was 16, he has set his heart to seek God. And he called the entire land of Judah, the entire nation, to come and seek God. By the time he was 20, he began his reformation throughout the land. He opened up the temple. He took away the, the, the high places of false worship. And he saw an entire nation turn to God. He restored the Davidic a form of worship brought to the Levites, the priests, and got them to worship God 24-7 in the temple. By the time he was 39, the land of Judah had seen a total spiritual reformation. But at the age of 39, he made one mistake. That one mistake ended everything. Josiah chose a wrong battle. Nico, the king of Egypt, was going to fight against, this is in Second Chronicles chapter 35, verses 20 to 25. Nico, the king of Egypt, was going to fight another tribe. Josiah, king of Judah, heard about it, and he said, okay, I'll go and fight Nico. And Nico said, no, 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 no I'm not coming to fight with you. I'm going to fight against these people. Please don't come and meddle in this war, because God is sending me to fight that person. If you come in, it's not good. Josiah didn't pay attention. He jumped into a battle that he was not supposed to fight. And unfortunately, it cost him his life. He died at the age of 39. After having brought his nation into such a powerful spiritual reformation. Did God want him to die at that time? No. He just chose the wrong battle. It ended his life. Sometimes, some battles that we fight which God doesn't want us to fight will cost us everything. So choose your battles wisely. God doesn't want you to engage in every battle. Satan may throw some battles that he wants you to engage in, but you must learn to say no to it. For example, maybe a neighbor, maybe a colleague wants to get into an argument with you, a dispute with you, and you must say, you know, God, is this a battle I should engage in or leave it alone? And maybe it's something you need to leave alone. But what, we, what do we do? Very spiritual people. We take up every battle that comes our way. And so we begin to engage with this neighbor. Want to settle it. So if you're praying for 30 minutes, 25 minutes goes in praying over this matter. If you're reading your Bible, instead of listening to what God has to say to you, you're finding all the verses that tell you you're going to triumph over your neighbor. And so what happens? It's such a distraction from the pursuing the primary assignment, the call to enter into your inheritance because this battle is not supposed, is not something you're supposed to engage in, but now everything about you, your prayer time, your Bible reading time, everything is consumed by this battle. You wasted three, four weeks. It's taken away your prayer time. Robbed you of the truth that God wants to speak to you. And all of that. And what do you have at the end of the three, four weeks? Nothing. There are some battles you shouldn't fight if you want to journey into your land of inheritance. Amen. But as they move on, God tells them, there are some battles I do want you to fight. In chapter 2, Deuteronomy 2, verses 24 and 25, they come to Sihon, the king of uh, the Amorites. And God says, Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 24, rise Take your journey, cross over the river Arnon. Look, I have given into your hand Sihon, the Amorite, king of Hezbon and his land. Begin to possess it and engage him in battle. 
This day I will begin to put the dread and fear of you upon the nations under the whole heaven who will hear the report of you and shall tremble and be in anguish because of you. So here's a battle I want you to fight. I'm going to give you victory. I've already gone ahead of you. I've put the fear of God in him. And this is a battle you will win. They move on. They, they win that battle. They move on. And now in chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. Here's another battle God wants them to fight. He says, Then we turned and went up the road to Bashan. And Og, king of Bashan, came out against us. He and all his people to the battle at Endri. And the Lord said to me, Do not fear him. For I have delivered him and all his people and his land into your hand. You shall do to him as you have done to Sion, king of the Amorites, who dwelt at Heshbon. So the Lord our God also delivered into our hands Og, king of Bashan, with all his people. So when God leads you into a battle, he will make sure you win it. Amen. So first strategy to come into our inheritance, choose your battles carefully. Otherwise, we will be losing much of our strength, our energy, our time, our attention on unnecessary battles, which, is not, which are not going to help us get in to everything God has promised for us in every facet, in every area of life. Amen. The next thing we see the people of Israel do is this. Once they've conquered these two kings on the east side of the river Jordan, Moses tells them, Moses then divides this land as an inheritance to some of the tribes, to the Reubenites and half the tribe of Manasseh. He gives this entire region and says, you guys occupy this part of the land. You guys take over. You guys begin to live here. This is in chapter 3, Deuteronomy, the third chapter, verses 12 and also verse 17. So the second thing we see is this, that once they gain victory, they consolidate their victories. So say this with me, consolidate your victories. So as we move into our land of inheritance, we must learn to consolidate every victory we gain. Amen? Meaning, when God allows you to taste something, He's giving you an opportunity to taste it, not to tease your taste buds, but He's giving you an opportunity to taste it because He wants you to come and make, take your seat, your permanent seat at His table and dine there regularly. Or you can put it this way, when God gives you an invitation, an entry into a certain realm that you enter in and you come out, that invitation is not just for a visit, but it's for you to make that your habitation. When God invites you, maybe in the realm of the Spirit, because the gifts of the Spirit, the anointing of the Spirit, these are things that are our inheritance. Maybe God uses you to bring healing to somebody. And you say, well, you know, God used me once. Listen, if God used you once, it's an expression of His intention to keep using you that way over and over again. Consolidate that victory in your life. If God moved through words of knowledge and prophecy once in your life, it, that experience is an invitation to make that not just a one-time visitation, but to make that a permanent habitation in the spirit realm for your life. Consolidate that victory. Go back and think, you know, God, how did you do it? What can I learn from it? And begin to open up yourself more and more so that God can begin to use you more and more in that realm. Consolidate every victory God brings into your life. The problem with us is this. We take one step forward and then we get so excited of the one step ground that we've gained. And we just become reckless in our lives. And before we realize it, we've gone two steps backwards. 
And then we've got to work hard all over again to capture ground that we've lost. But let us not be like that. Let's learn from the life of these people. When they captured, overcame two kings, they said, let's take over this territory. Let's consolidate it. You people, Reubenites, half of Manasseh, you're going to dwell here. You're going to occupy this. We don't want to lose this land that we have gained. Amen. Look back. This decade that's about to pass. What are the victories God has given you in your life? They may be small victories. Maybe in your business, in your career, in your profession, in your walk with God, in your relationship with the local church, in your experience with whatever, different areas of life. There may be small victories, but consolidate them. Don't lose the ground you've gained. Consolidate your victories. The third thing that we see Moses give instruction to the people as they journey into their land of promise is this in chapter 3, verses, chapter 3, verse 18, and then verses twenty. 1 and 22. In verse 18 he says, Then I commanded you at that time saying, The Lord has given you this land to possess. All you men of valor shall cross over armed before your brethren, the children of Israel. In other words, he's saying, guys, there are battles, bigger battles to fight. You know, we've conquered Sion, the king of the Amorites. We've conquered Og, the king of Bashan. But our real land of inheritance it's going to require a lot more battles. So I want all the armed men to pass over, to cross over, get into this land. And then he says in verses 21 and 22, he speaks to Joshua. He says, and I command Joshua, and I commanded Joshua at that time saying, your eyes have seen all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. So will the Lord do to all the kingdoms through which you pass. You must not fear them for the Lord your God himself fights for you. Saying, Joshua, you're going to go in with all these armed men into this land. You're going to face bigger battles. There are walled cities that you've never encountered before. There are bigger kings, greater armies, taller giants. But Joshua, do not forget that the God who helped you in those two previous battles will also help you. When you come before bigger cities, greater kings, powerful armies, and taller giants. He's the same God. Don't forget it. In other words, what he's saying is, Joshua, build upon every success. Tell your neighbor, build upon every success. You and I will not receive our inheritance without a fight. God didn't say when you cross over Jordan, there's going to be a red carpet welcome. And every king will come and bow before you and let them... Let you take over their cities. That's not going to happen. This is the land I'm giving you. But your armed men have to go forward. You've got to engage in battle. You've got to fight. And taller giants. Don't forget it. Build on every success. Let the small victories build faith in your heart to fight greater battles. Don't just discount it saying that was an easy one. God is just building you up for greater things. How can you get into your inheritance? Build on every success. Draw courage. Draw strength. 
from everything God has helped you win, every battle God has helped you win, everything God has seen you through. If he saw you through yesterday, he will see you through today. Have that courage in your heart. Do not allow discouragement to set in by saying, you know, today's giants are taller than yesterday's giants. So what? If God helped you conquer the giants yesterday, he will do that again today. Build on your success. Number four. The fourth instruction that Moses repeats over and over again in several places, and I'm going to pick out a few verses, is that he tells the people, when you come into your inheritance and you begin to enjoy all that God is doing for you, one thing, keep the word. Tell a neighbor, keep the word. He said, never forget this word, the word that God has given you. This is the word that has brought you into your inheritance. This is the word that will keep you in your inheritance. Never, never forget what God has spoken to you, his commandments he's given you, his instructions that he has given you. Never forget it. Look at some scriptures here in chapter 4, verse 6. He says, therefore... Be careful to observe them, meaning what I've taught you, the word of God, the commandments of God. For this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding nation. And he repeats this in several places in uh, verses 23 and 24 of chapter 4. He says, take heed to yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God which he made with you. And make for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord your God has forbidden you. He says, don't forget the word of God. Don't forget the covenant of God. In chapter 6, I'm just skipping, just picking out some verses here. Verses 6 through 9, he says, And these words which I command you today, keep them in your heart. Teach them to your children. And talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Keep them as frontlets between your eyes. Uh, and so he goes on. He's saying, never forget the word when you get into your inheritance. So the fourth instruction for us as we come into our inheritance, stick with the word of God. Never forget it. The commandments that he has given us. Just because God begins to bless your life doesn't mean he's giving you permission to get lax in character and conduct. Now this is how our mind works. God is blessing me, so maybe he's happy with me. I'll do what I want. Not so. Keep the word. When you begin experience blessing in this area, in that area, in that area, in that area, and saying, you know, I'm beginning to enjoy more of my inheritance. Wonderful. Don't forget the word. Keep the word. The fifth instruction that Moses gives is, he tells them, guard your hearts. Guard your heart. Now let's pick up two verses here. In chapter 7, verse 2. He says, you know, when God takes you and gives you seven nations. This is Deuteronomy 7, verse 1 and 2. He gives you seven nations greater and mightier than you. Verse 2. When the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them. In other words, don't let any connection come between you and that. Guard your heart. In chapter 11 and verse 16, he puts it very explicitly. Chapter 11, verse 16, he says, take heed to yourselves. You know, when God has blessed you, if you back up a few verses in chapter 11, verse 14 and 15, he says, you know, God will give rain to your land in its season. You'll be able to gather your grain, your wine, and your oil, and your livestock will be fat and flourishing. 
And all this is wonderful things are happening. Verse 16. Take heed to yourself, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods to worship them. Guard your heart. As you begin to experience your inheritance, guard your heart. Don't allow your heart to get deceived by these things. Don't allow any unholy affections to come for the things. Your heart must be always set on loving the Lord your God. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Yes, you praise Him. Yes, you thank Him for every blessing, for every inheritance that you can enjoy. In whatever area of life, you begin to thank Him for it. But your affections must be set on God, not on these things. Guard your heart, lest they be deceived. By these things. Guard your heart is what Moses tells them. And lastly, he tells them, don't forget to give God the glory. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 10. Picking out just a few verses. Deuteronomy 8, 10. Well, let me just back up a few verses. Verse 7 through 10, he says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. A land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley, of wine, fig trees, pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. Verse 10. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Give him glory. Verse 17, he says, Beware that you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. You will remember the Lord your God. It is he who gives you the power to get wealth. In other words, glory belongs to God. You must give him the glory. When you enjoy these things, when you see the miracles, when you see the sick healed, blind eyes open, deaf ears hear, the lame walk. When you see people anointed by the Holy Ghost. When you see God's mighty power flowing through your life and, and mighty miracles happening. When you see prosperity and financial increase and success. And when you see promotion in your job and promotion in your workplace. And when you begin to receive a high standing among men in the city and in the nation. And when you're seeing all the good things God has promised to come to you. Do not forget. That it is the Lord your God who blesses you. Remember, do not say it is my power or my might that has got me these things. Amen. It's time to walk in to our inheritance. God is saying, come in to your inheritance. Stop living in the wilderness. You know, God is a good God. Even in the wilderness, he takes care of us. He gives us manna to eat and water of the rock and birds to come and feed us and birds for our food. And he takes care of us, but that's not his intent. It's not his intent for us to live in the wilderness. That's not our place of residence. That's not our final destination. So just because God is doing these kinds of things, there is, you know, amazing provision coming in. Don't think the wilderness is your dwelling place. It's not. We have an inheritance. We've got to cross over into the land of promise. But our inheritance will not come without a fight. And when we get in there, to get in there, we've got to choose our battles. 
Consolidate every victory. Build on every success. Keep the word. Guard your heart. Give God the glory. Then you will enjoy your inheritance without failing. Amen. Let's stand to our feet and call the worship team up here. This is the last Sunday of this year. I like to look at life in years of 10. 10 years ago, December 22nd, 2000. My family and I, we moved back to Bangalore, India. A decade has gone, 10 years since we came. And I look back and I say, God, 10 years since we moved back to Bangalore. I thank God for everything. There have been some tri triumphs. There have been some tragedies. There have been some successes. There have been some failures. I say, God, I'm getting ready to enter into the next decade of my life. I want the next decade to be something greater than these 10 years. I want to walk into my inheritance. By the time the next 10 years pass, I want to have moved in to greater portions of my inheritance. And I want to encourage you to do the same. Come into your inheritance. We're stepping into the first year of a new decade. We're stepping in to the beginning of a new year. We must resolve in our hearts and minds, God, circling this mountain is enough. I'm tired. Going around the same mountain, sure, it looks nice, scenery's changed, but I'm stuck where I am. I want, Lord, to move into my inheritance that are greater heights and there are deeper depths. And I must press into that. I'm willing to renounce the wilderness lifestyle and the wilderness mentality. What is it? We just saw it earlier. The wilderness lifestyle, the wilderness mentality is, a, is one where I rebel against the word of God. When God says go forward, I don't want to go because I argue. I allow what other people say discourage me. And of course, I blame them. They discourage me, but I'm discouraged. It keeps me in my wilderness I murmur and complain in my tents. I say hallelujah in church, but when I go home, it's a totally different story. In church, I sing the praises of God, and at home, I release the complaints of men. I murmur and complain, and God hears that. And that keeps me in my wilderness. I've seen God do great things, and yet I struggle to believe Him. That He can actually take me into my inheritance. That keeps me in the wilderness. What else keeps me in the wilderness? It's the lust for other evil things. The things of Egypt. My heart still craves for it. That's a dangerous place. It'll keep me in the wilderness. I find substitutes for God when, I don't, when it seems like God isn't working. When God isn't answering prayer. When God isn't coming through. Then I make a golden calf. I'll take care of God's problem. That's going to keep me in the wilderness. But I don't want to control my sexual appetites. That's a bait that Satan can easily use, a trap that he can enslave us with. That'll keep us in our wilderness. If you're not careful. And sometimes I get a little smart. I want to put God to the test. If you're really God, if your word is really true, prove it to me. I want to tempt God and Christ. That keeps me in my wilderness. 
God might oblige. He might send the rain and he might send the quails and he might send the bread. But he sees the heart. Can you and I this morning resolve saying, God, I'm giving up this wilderness mentality. I'm giving up this wilderness lifestyle and I am turning north. Enough is enough. Going around the same mountain is enough, Lord. I'm turning north. I'm willing to choose my battles carefully. I'm willing to consolidate every victory you bring into my life. I'm willing to build on every success you give me, God. I'm willing to keep your word every day of my life. And God, I'm willing to guard my heart to keep it totally devoted to you. And God, I will give you all the glory. I'm willing to do that. Because I want to come in to my inheritance. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. It hasn't entered the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for those who love Him. The question is, will those who love Him be prepared to enter in? Or do we want want to keep circling Mount Seir for another decade? 38 years came and went and they found themselves in the same place. May not happen to us. I want to open up the altars right now and as we sing that song... I will never be the same again. I want to make this a personal time between you and the Lord. Saying, yes, God, as I close up this year, as I step into a new decade, I want to come in to my inheritance. Enough is enough. I want what the God of heaven has prepared for my life. Let's take this time just to seek the Lord. You're free to come up and just... Kneel down here and just seek God and say, God, I renounce my wilderness mentality. I renounce my wilderness lifestyle. If the Holy Spirit has put his finger on your heart, on any area of your heart, where you see a correlation between something happening in your life and what you saw in the people of Israel, the Apostle Paul said, it happened to them as examples to us so that we do not fall into that same lifestyle. So that we do not take on that same attitude. So that we do not take on that same mentality. Let us learn from them and flee those things. Maybe this morning, the Spirit of the living God is putting a finger on one or more areas of your heart and mind and saying, you know, you got to get rid of this. Because this is what is causing you to get stuck in the wilderness. This is what is causing you to go around and around the same mountain. And if you don't do this today, you're going to keep circling and keep circling. And you'll get caught in the loop of things and never break out. But this morning, if you will dare to step north, if you dare to say yes to the Lord and say, I want to go into my inheritance, then I want you to love the Lord to deal with that one thing or two things or three things or as many things in your life and say, yes, Lord, I renounce the wilderness lifestyle. I renounce the wilderness mentality. I am breaking out. I will never be the same again with the help of Almighty God. I want to come in to my inheritance. Enough is enough. Let's take some time right now to let God work in our hearts and our lives because He is more than able to do that. As the team leads us in seeking God, please let God do something in our lives before we leave. I just want us to continue seeking God just everywhere, all over this auditorium. We're in no hurry. Let's just continue seeking God and say, God, yes, Lord. 
I want to come into my inheritance. And I'm growing up the same thing for myself. God, I want to come into everything the Bible says I can have, oh God. I don't want to settle for just living around Mount Seir. I don't want to settle for living in the land of Kadesh. I want to cross over Jordan. I want to come into the inheritance, into the good land that you said you have kept for me, oh God. Lord, I want to come into that land in my marriage. I want to come into that land for my home. I want to come into that land for my children. I want to come in, Lord, in the area of my finances, in, the, in, in every area of my life, in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, in the workings of the gift of the Spirit, in every spiritual dimension, in the natural dimension, every area of my life. I want to come into my inheritance because God, your word says, you have blessed me with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And I want to come into that inheritance. I don't want to die in the wilderness. I don't want to be one of those people oh, who, because of their heart of unbelief, all they could have was the wilderness experience. They did not get into the land of promise. But God, I want to get in there. Let everyone just cry out to God this morning. Just cry out to God in the way you know how to. Cry out to God with your own words. Cry out to God in the spirit. Let deep call unto deep. Let your spirit pull upon his spirit. Come on. Get a hold of the horns of the altar. Get a hold of the throne of God and say, God, I want it. I want it. I want it in my life. I am tired of circling around the same thing. I'm tired of living in the same place. I'm tired of not seeing progress in my life. God, I want to break through. I want to break into my land of promise. I want to come into my destiny. I want to enjoy this rich spiritual inheritance that you have for your people. God, I want to break through. I want to come in, Lord. I want to come in. Everybody here just praying, crying out to God for more of God, for more of Him, for more of Him. Just crying out to God. It's between you and God this morning. It's between you and God. Pull upon heaven. Pull upon heaven this morning. Pull upon heaven this morning. God has greater things. God has better things. He's got a land that's flowing with milk and honey. He's got a rich land ahead of us. It's up to us to come into our inheritance. It is up to us to cross over and possess what God has for us. It is up to us to set our hearts in that direction. Stay the course. Get into what God has. He has prosperity for every one of His children. He has anointing for every one of His children. He has signs, wonders, and miracles for every one of His children. He has healing and deliverance for every one of His people. He has success for every one of His people. It's up to us to break in. It's up to us to press through. In the name of the Lord, everybody's seeking God. Everybody's seeking God in this place. Father, we just thank you for this time in your presence, God. That as your people, we can stand before you and cry out to you, O God. And Father, this morning you're saying, come into your inheritance. You're saying to each one of us, come on in. Come on into your inheritance. And this morning, God, each one of us here are saying yes to your invitation. We are saying yes, Father. We will come in. We want to come in. We will press in. We will fight the fight, the good fight of faith. We will come up against the Jerichos. We will fight the kings. We will face the giants because we want to take our inheritance. Yes, oh God, we will come into our inheritance. 
We will come into our inheritance, O oh God. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.